Hello everybody, welcome back to Fleet Meet. My name is Hans Damen and I'm managing partner for Fleet 360. Today we're going to talk about the trends in the EV market, electrification of fleets globally. And I'm Mike Antich, I'm the editor of Automotive Fleet and I will be talking about the electrification trends in the North American market. Well, Hans, to start our discussion, what is going on in Europe? What are the current trends there? Um, all of us uh, on the North American side kind of look um, for leadership in Europe. You are taking a leadership role in this. You're much more advanced in this area of uh, the transition to electrification than we are. Um, what is the current lay of the land in the EU? Yeah, Mike, uh, you know, what, what we see a lot is that key drivers behind electrification are coming from governments in legislation, regulations, uh, demands, requirements, and, and, and so on. Um, recently, you know, we have this uh, big, uh, big uh, spike in, in objectives through what we call the Green Deal. Um, so to briefly explain, the Green Deal in Europe means is that the uh, European Commission has upped their requirements on, uh, on electrification and uh, greening fleets and reducing the, the carbon footprint. Just to throw a few numbers at you very briefly, they have gone up from a 37.5% decrease of, of output over, over the next eight years to come, but they have now upped that to 55% for passenger cars and 50% decrease for vans. Uh, also, a ban on the sale of diesel cars and petrol cars by 2035. And uh, mandatory 1 million charges in place by 2025 and 3.5 million charges in place in 2030, including, and this is interesting, uh, fuel stations for hydrogen along the motorways. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of things that are driving the market in North America. One is um, there's been a massive investment in new EV products by the OEMs. There's a, there's a tsunami of EV products that are going to be coming out in the next five uh, to 10 years uh, into the marketplace. So that's always been the biggest complaint initially is product availability. Well, product availability is there. Uh, demand is likewise very strong. And here we are as we're introducing the very first uh, EV products. Already, some of them are on an allocation basis. So mm -hmm. you know, the transition into EVs because of the demand is, is going to take a while. What's driving the demand? On the corporate side, it's primarily that most major corporations have corporate sustainability goals to reduce carbon emissions. And man fleet managers are receiving pressure from their management to look at alternatives. And one of the alternatives is EVs. And there are challenges that we're gonna have to be addressing. And I think in the long term, these challenges will work their way out. But right now we're, we're creating a path uh, on our own. And uh, ultimately the, what we're doing now is gonna evolve into the best practices of the future. No, true. Um, what we see here as well is uh, a lot of new product coming out as you see on your site. Uh, of course, for us, interesting was always that the, the main manufacturer of EVs in the past was a, an American-based company that almost shipped 70% of their production initially to Norway and then to, Nor then to the Netherlands and, and, and so on. But uh, what we see now from, uh, from a big influx from China, where China also has uh, made uh, big, big steps in uh, electrifying their fleet, also mandated by, by the government, and uh, brands like Xiaopeng or Xpeng, as they will brand themselves over here, 
uh, we'll be bringing complete new product also to the market next year, uh, probably in a bit of a disruptive mode in new distribution models and so on. And that also forces the, the whole industry to rethink their model. You know, I remember ordering my first Tesla and all I had to do was swipe a credit card, which, which is a transaction I've never done uh, before uh, for buying a car. Um, interesting is, is that what we pick up over here in the news um, in, in Europe is that there is also a push from the US government, but you know, it's always difficult to filter out what is the truth behind it and how much mandate will there be for the future. So Mike, I've, I've understood also that the government, like we have in Europe here, is, is making some announcements on, on measures they want to take to, uh, to improve on the CO2 output of, uh, of your fleets. That's very true. You know, the, the Biden administration uh, has made a very ambitious goal to convert the entire federal government fleet uh, two EVs, and that's over 600,000 units out there. But it's not the first time that the government has attempted to do this. You know, it goes back to the Clean Air Act amendments of 1989, uh, and also it goes back to the National Energy Policy Act of 1992. And what's interesting about the National Energy Policy Act of 1992, it mandated that the federal government, along with other uh, covered entities, acquire a certain percentage of their vehicles to be non-petroleum-based vehicles. And the mm -hmm. agency or the department that was entrusted with enforcing this was the Department of Energy, and in particular, a unit of the Department of Energy, which was the Environmental Protection Agency. What was discovered was that the Department of Energy was having trouble complying with the mandates, acquiring enough non-fossil fuel vehicles and themselves and yet they were the, the enforcing agency uh, to make sure that the mandate was being complied to. And eventually this did peter out. As far as I know, the law is still on the books, but no one is really enforcing that or mandating that. And you know, the other big issue that needs to be addressed in the auto industry, and, and this is a cliche, but it's very true. You know, we're, the auto industry is part of an ecosystem. It's a much larger thing. It's not just simply buying the vehicles and then whoop, we're done with it. You know, what we need to address is the resale market. The resale market is going to be absolutely crucial to the viability and future of EVs. And, and that is an area that still a lot of work needs to be done. You know, the majority of vehicles that are remarketed in the United States are remarketed through auctions. I can mm -hmm. probably count on one hand how many of those auctions have actually recharging um, or chargers in their facilities. And yeah. it, it's crucial to, to have that. So there's just that one area alone requires a major transformation in the industry and a major investment. It's going to be a major yeah, investment on the part of a lot of true. those auction owners. True. Well, we've seen a change in Europe already, as, as we discussed in the first episode. Uh, but we can share a link on that uh, on the screen here somewhere. Um, what we discussed is that in, in Europe, because most of the EVs are operated through an operational lease, the rigid value risk is with the leasing company and you know, they've become very sufficient and efficient into reselling those vehicles, uh, even to private individuals. So that's not a key challenge uh, over here. And actually, uh, so far, the EVs are outperforming their expectation on residual values. I, I still remember uh, ordering uh, uh, a Tesla's in the past where they had a residual value of 25% initially when they first came out. And by the time it, it came to, to sell those vehicles four years later with about, uh, let's say, 90,000 miles on the, on the reading, uh, they were sold at about 65%. 
Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's a very challenging marketplace. It's very difficult to to have a good outlook on what the residual value should be, and and also you know there is hesitation with the private individual to invest into still an expensive car, not fully understanding you know the the implications of uh, of worn batteries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yes, indeed, we have quite some uh, many bridges to cross here. Well, you, you bring up a good point. Uh, you know, closed-end leasing has always had difficulty gaining traction in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe EVs might be that catalyst that brings about uh, yeah. a rejuvenation of uh, the closed-end lease, because that eliminates a lot of um, um, concerns on the resale side if the yeah. uh, lessors uh, or even OEMs, perhaps, you know, um, have these vehicles on a closed-end basis, um, that could al- uh, alleviate some of the concerns that end users may have on the resale of those vehicles in the used vehicle marketplace. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Hans, you know, we've reached the end of our time. The time has flown by. There's plenty to talk about. And um, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. I want to thank the viewers for taking the time to watch this episode. And uh, stay tuned for episode um, three of Fleet Meat. Many thanks, Mike. Looking forward to talk to you again. For those people that really like this, please subscribe or let us know if you have any particular questions that we can address in any of the future episodes. Have a great day.